We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, how are you tonight? There's Vince. I'm Sean. It is Ivy Nation Sports Talk, and of course, it is Midweek Mailbag Night. How are you tonight, Vince? I'm great. It's a beautiful day. Had a fire it alarm is. at the school. Got to spend an extra 20 Uh-oh. minutes outside that nobody was expecting, so that was fun. But it was a beautiful day for it, so I say uh, party on, Wayne. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Salty has filled up the queue with with tons of questions for us already no here doubt. tonight. But, uh, of course, if you're just logging in right now, get your questions in for the mailbag, and we will attempt to answer them. Uh, Jesse Woo. Jesse was doing the show from his car in Sandusky, Jeez. Ohio, yesterday. He had he was on a work trip in about an hour away from Cleveland in Sandusky, and so he had, he had like, something he had to do at the site during the daylight, and then he had <laughs> to go back after the sun went down. So he had plenty okay. of time to go in between. So he was sitting there in his car, but uh, salty <laughs> asking true or false. Jesse was involved in the disappearance of three individuals reported missing today in Sandusky, <laughs> Ohio. Salty was uh, giving him a hard time last night saying that uh, I was giving him coded messages to go out on a hit <laughs> in the Sandusky area. Mean. So when things got to get done, they got to get done. I can neither confirm nor Sorry. deny that, but uh, yeah, I, I heard an interesting. I thought you might be interested in this. <clears throat> I heard an interesting little story on a podcast I was listening to. The hmm. author Jeff Perlman is his name, and he's written books on Walter Payton. He wrote the book, um, The Winning Time. That I don't know if the book was called Winning Time, but it's you know the the HBO series that was a big hit last year. He wrote the book that that was based on. He's written books about. The Dallas Cowboys, the New York Mets, you know, all these okay. different teams. But he's so he wrote a book about Walter Payton, I guess. And he had a, a really funny story about Walter Payton, I guess, was coaching like a JV high school football team. And he was like giving him this talk about trust. And it was like Friday at the end of practice. And the talk was about trust. And so he gives one of these kids on the team his Super Bowl ring. He's like, I trust you. Bring it back to me on Monday. Well, Monday comes, and the kid has to go to him and tell him that he lost the ring. Oh, my gosh. And apparently he had had a party at his house over the oh. weekend, and he's showing everybody Walter Payton's Super Bowl ring. He loses the ring. And then a few years later, 
I don't know if it was, I don't think it was that same kid. Like they gave somebody that they knew like a cousin or something, the couch, like a, a couch from the house to go to college, like his apartment in college. Mm-hmm. And so the kid, this other kid goes to Purdue. He's in college. He's got this couch. And then all of a sudden one day his dog is sniffing around in the couch and finds Walter Payton's Super Bowl ring in the bottom wow. of the couch. <laughs> So I don't know. The moral of the story is don't trust. Don't trust anybody. Don't trust high school kids with anything, right? Like no, don't trust anybody. That's right. <laughs> Jeez. Especially, especially high school kids. Like mm. we've been around enough. None of them. No. None of them. <laughs> don't trust high school I just, kids. I can't believe someone like Walter Payton, a Hall of Famer, would give a high school kid his Super Bowl ring and say, bring it back to me Monday. At least. It's unbelievable. I mean. There had to be a better choice as to to pick too. Like that's right. I, I, I just feel like I like the message. I like what he was trying to accomplish with the message. Give him your shoes, or you know, I, like I don't know. Oh man, there had to be a better way to go jersey. about that. I don't, know. I don't know, man. I like, and this is no offense to Jesse, but when he played for me, I wouldn't have trusted him with my Super Bowl <laughs> ring if I had one. There's no way. Right. There's that's no way. Right. Well, I mean. Jesse had his cell phone stolen out of his locker room at practice one day. I don't know if you remember that whole fiasco, but <laughs> vaguely. Yeah. So I think that was the a year or two anybody. after you coached him on the it was well, okay. I think it was yeah, it was after you had coached him on the freshman team. Oh but my gosh. What a fiasco that I mean that whole thing. Oh, you know what? It's starting to come did, back to me. He did you go to like their like, house and well, all yeah, of that. He had, you yeah. know, they have that that app where you can track yep. the phone. Yeah, and so he tracks the phone into the this neighborhood, not knowing who lived there. Right, but it turned out that one of his teammates lived there. So he and another of his teammates I go up to this, this guy's door, and they're like, uh, "the the the app says that my phone is here," and you know the kid, of course, denied it, and the dad denied it, blah blah blah, and the cops, you know, like looked around. Well, it turned out, you know, like when when they rang the doorbell, the kid had walked into the backyard and thrown it in somebody else's yard. Chucked it, basically. Yeah. But anyway. Did you ever end up getting it back? That I don't remember. I, I don't remember. I remember parts of this or, story for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But that was, that was an interesting. <laughs> I remember that hey, now. Smash that like button. Let's do some questions. Let's, let's talk some Notre Dame football, basketball, whatever you want to talk tonight. Smash the like button. And, of course, subscribe, rate, and review. We appreciate you being here tonight. Um, what do you want to start with? Do you want to start with football? Do you want to start with basketball? I, do you want to start with a combo? Like, what, so, do you, what do you want to do? I was late getting in here. I'll be the first one to admit it. Trying to shovel down some dinner before work and whatnot. And so I haven't read any of the questions. So I say just fire them up and let's All roll right. and see what happens. I, I don't even know what's coming. All right. Salty's already hit us up with a bajillion. Okay. So we might as well start with, with some of his. Um, of the players and coaches who left for other opportunities after last season ended, excluding those who entered the draft, whose choice was the best and whose Ooh. choice was the worst? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, I mean, it's hard to say excluding the draft because those guys, some of those guys still had eligibility on the table. And the fact that they got drafted meant it was a good choice. So, like, you know what I mean? Like, that you can't really – anybody that didn't get drafted and left early, it's not a good choice. So, mm-hmm. I, I I don't like that exclusion, right? I, I think that has to well, be part like, of the equation. If I'm including the draft, and I, Brandon Joseph is by far – like, he should be in school still yeah. right now. Whether Especially it's Notre Dame or anywhere else. I just, have. Yeah. I just felt like – and, and yeah, I think you and I agree on this, like, I think he had the wrong mindset when he came in the door last year. You know, like that that guy thought he was going to be a first round draft pick. That's why he came to Notre Dame. Yep. And it turns out he doesn't get drafted at all. So at a very minimum, he should have transferred someplace else if it wasn't going to work out for him at Notre Dame. But he needed to be in school and he had some things to work on. Now I know that wasn't the question, but like well, that would be. The I mean, worst that was decision. that was a, that was a major life decision for him, and I think he he should be in school right now. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. I'm trying to think of anybody else that actually left this year that I thought was a bad move. I don't know that I can think of anybody that that was the case, right? I mean, I think uh, Justin Adamalola had another year of eligibility, so I mean, he could have come back, uh, which may have been a good decision. Maybe not. I, I know that. And it that was, was a him. unique circumstance. Yeah. I think the Adam Alola is a unique circumstance. Agreed. Anyways, so, Agreed. Yeah. I mean, it was off the field stuff, so it's probably best that he went. Um, trying to think of anybody else. From a coaching standpoint, I mean, look, you had you had Tommy Reese that left. You had Harry Heestand that retired. Uh, who else left, Sean? Um, Brian Mason went to the Colts. Oh, yeah. Of course, you know, yeah. Logan Diggs, Prince Collie. Um, I don't, Tyler yeah, Buckner, okay. Lorenzo Logan Stiles. Diggs, I don't, I don't like what Logan Diggs did. I, I don't think he's going to better himself by going someplace else. I think he could have done very well with it for himself right at Notre Dame. I don't think that was necessary for him to leave. Um, so I, I don't think that was a great decision. Drew Pine, we forgot about Drew Pine too. Drew Pine, I think, was a, a good decision on his part. 
if I'm being yeah. honest. I, he was never going to play here. He wasn't going to play here again. Yeah, He wasn't. And, you know, we didn't know who the transfer quarterback was going to be. We knew Tyler Buckner was going to be here. There was no chance that Drew Pine was going to play, barring injury. He made the right decision, especially if he can start, uh, you know, at Arizona State, which I think is still up in the air. I think that uh, Brian Mason made the best choice for his family. I think it sucks for Notre Dame. I, I mean, that was that's the worst one that left from a Notre Dame standpoint. Yeah, and I mean, you know, like I put the Brandon Joseph up there because we have the result there. With all these other guys, we don't know the result yet. We don't know right. what their playing time is going to look like. We don't know, you know, like in Mason's case or, or Reese's case, what this is actually going to look like. But we, we have no results for them, you know, so – like in a year, we'll have a better idea. Sure, yeah. But it's hard to judge right now. I agree. Like the Logan Diggs of the of the people eligible probably for this question, he he's the one that we've talked about that I just I don't feel like he benefits from what he did. I, I don't think. Yeah. You know, like for his his NFL future, whatever. Now, do right. you want to be closer to home? All those kind of things. He doesn't have a new school yet. So yeah, no kidding. He's still kind of out there waiting, which maybe is a little surprising. I think it is surprising, to be honest, because he's a talent. He's a talented kid. He can, I mean, he's shown what he can do. And there's probably another level to his game for sure. And I think we would have seen that even if he was splitting carries with Audrey Gestime at Notre Dame. I, you know, maybe that's the best decision for him off the field. But I think on the field, it was not a very good decision for him at all. So. Yeah. Anthony, preseason MVPs, offense and de- defense. Offense, that's easy. It's Sam Hartman. If he doesn't yeah. win MVP, then we're all going to be very disappointed in the season that Notre Dame had. So mm-hmm. that has to be has to be Hartman on offense. Defense, Benjamin Morrison. Is that really a reach if you go with him as the defensive MVP? You know, pulls down a few picks in big games, locks down the number one receiver for Ohio State. I mean, he's probably going to get – you know, he's probably going to get that call, right? Marvin Harrison Jr. That's going to be an epic battle. I think that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. So, I mean, if he can accomplish that, I mean, I don't know how you don't make him the MVP, right? And he, he can lock down the number one receiver for Clemson, Ohio State, I mean, and USC. It's not even a competition. Sam Hartman is the easy one offensively yeah, when you no bring doubt. in a quarterback of that caliber. If if he's not the MVP, it would be a huge disappointment. I think, you know, like in in what the season looks like, I wouldn't even want to think about what the season looks like yeah. if he's not the exactly. MVP. You know, um, defensively, I I wonder how many opportunities Benjamin Morrison is going to continue to get. Some of that's going to depend on what happens with Cam Hart. You know, everyone, I, I think you know we expect Cam Hart to be back, but sure. You're going to have to throw some, you know, they're going to have to throw someplace. Last year, they decided to keep throwing Ben Morrison's way, and he made him pay most of the time. I'll just go inside, and I'll say it is going to be Jordan Botello. It is a a big reach, but, you know, not a big reach, but just just the fact that he's a guy who as we know, has a, a ton of upside and a ton of talent, but he's stepping into a new role as the lead dog at that Viper defensive end right now. But like, he's the guy 
who I think you can wreak the most havoc on defenses. And so I'm going to say Jordan Vitello is going to end up with a pretty nice sack total. And I'll, I'll say he's the defensive okay. MVP. All right. I like it. I like it because if that happens, defense can be really good. But anyway. Yes. Yeah. I concur. Coleman wants to know, do we know who Notre Dame is targeting to fill in the remaining spots Oof. on the basketball roster? And I'm, I wanted to get this up front because Tom Noy is going to be on the show tomorrow. So we're going to talk a lot of Notre Dame men's basketball. So Coleman, everybody Beautiful. else, Notre Dame men's basketball, we will be doing that. Tom wrote a story a couple of days ago, and we're going to talk about this. There's a, I think he was like the Division II Player of the Year, and he's another big man, like in the 6'8 to 6'10 Range, okay. like a power forward for a for a division two i think it was in florida they won the national championship and notre dame has apparently been talking to him okay so we'll kind of see where that stands he would be one of the likely targets i like what they've done this week though with, with the guy from penn state and then carrie booth the freshman a pair of 610 guys who are both yeah. pretty good athletes they're, they they've they've gone from uh, no front court to a lot of front court in a pretty quick amount of time, and they're going to need it. They're, I mean, they're going to need front court because um, they've got back court. I think they're going to need front court, right? I mean, you mm -hmm. if they're gonna if they're gonna hang with any of these teams, they're going to have to bang down low. They're going to have to you know play a little inside out, you know that kind of a thing. Which obviously they did not have that presence last year, and it hurt them, and it hurt them in a bad way. So. Uh, I, I think that's that's great that he's getting some height and some length in there and, and some guys are going to be able to bang around down on the inside. Yes, I concur. Love it. Right, let me see. <laughs> True or false? There should be a limit to the number of questions posted in the mailbag. False. This is from Salty, who posted a million of them. Absolutely false. false. Keep bringing them. Yeah, Keep man. There's never, and there's no question that's off limits. I mean, there might be some that we don't know the answer to, which there are definitely some in there that I don't know the answer to, right? But how about this one? On. True or false? If Notre Dame plays in an upcoming national championship game that requires pay per view, Vince will pay to see it live. <laughs> I mean, of course I'll pay for it to see it live, and then I'll send the bill to Brian because yes. that's a work related expense. So, absolutely. Now, if they're playing in the national championship and we're not at the game, Sean, I'm going to be pretty upset about that as well. And so I, hopefully I don't have to watch it. So I, I, I'll put that caveat on there. But if I am at home, that bill's going straight to the IB headquarters, a.k.a. Brian's house. That's a good little end around you did there. I forgot about that little loophole that you could just send it to Brian. I mean, it's a work expense, right? Because I was, I was ready for <laughs> cold day. <laughs> <laughs> you know where <laughs> which i mean depends on uh i mean how much how much would they charge for a pay-per-view national championship game i mean i would think it would have to be somewhere in the like the 50 dollar range yeah starting probably. off wouldn't you yeah yeah at least I, that was like my floor you know and if it's notre dame i could see him like oh wait did we say 50 we meant 100 if that happens i, I think we're talking 20 years down the road i, yeah. I, I don't think with all the money that that the TV networks are are shelling out, yeah. Hopefully, we never have to worry about that. Agreed. Hopefully, Joe wants to know confidence levels in Al Golden's willingness to accept that the young athletes on D need to get significant playing time for the defense to excel. 
uh, you know, I'm fairly confident based on what we saw in the spring, uh, to be honest with you. I, I think that they're going to, you know, I think those guys understand it more, though, right? I mean, we saw some of the young guys get in last year. They didn't know what the heck they were doing, right? And and part of that is Al Golden's fault for making it too complicated. And part of that's the fact that they were just young kids who have never played outside of high school. So there's got to be a happy medium somewhere. But I think we can all say with confidence that what we saw in the spring is that those guys are getting it. Like they're understanding where they need to be, when they need to be there. And it's just, it's allowing them to make more plays. And so I am confident that those guys are going to get reps. Absolutely. I think they're going to get reps. I think they're going to make plays. And I think they're going to see their reps increase as the season goes on. Now, you don't just throw out the older guys with the bathwater. I mean, you, you can't necessarily do that. Now, if they're not playing well, that's another story, right? But there's a lot of games. There's a lot of tackles. There's a lot of experience wrapped up in the three guys that started last year. And you don't just throw them out and be like, oh, it's time to turn the page. You know, so there has to be a happy medium there. But, Joe, I am confident that you're going to see some of these younger guys making a dent. I am too, but it's because of what you were talking about. It's not just because like Al Golden came to this, you know, had this light bulb moment. Like I need to play these young guys. I was stubborn right. and I didn't play them last year. Right. It's because they didn't know what they were doing enough last year for him to be confident in them. And I, you know, another year in the defense and maybe, you know, less complicated on his part. He, he talked about paring some things down at the start of the spring when we got to talk to him. And look, there's a reason Prince Kali is not here anymore. It's because guys like... Yep. Jalen Sneed and Nolan Ziegler passed him up, and they're yeah. both younger than Prince Kali. So it wasn't just about not wanting to play young guys. It's about it was it was still about the guys he felt the most confident in. And these younger guys like Sneed and Ziegler made a lot of progress in the spring. They started to make some progress back during Gator Bowl prep as well during during those practices. So I, I know it's I know it's hard when when these guys come in with with high expectations and all that kind of stuff, but. You know, they, they still have to know what their assignments are. And, right. and uh, they've said, they've said up front that these guys are going to see more playing time this season. And hopefully by working them in, as the season goes on, again, they're going to play the guys who they think are the best. So if those guys become the best options, you'll see more of them. I have no doubt about that. And that's the thing. Al Golden is not hesitant to play young guys. Benjamin Morrison was a freshman All-American. <laughs> there you go. You know, Jaden Mickey was a true freshman mm-hmm. playing a decent amount of ball in the fall. You know, just because that's not the specific position that he coaches, he's still in charge of the defense. He still and, has to feel confident to put I mean, him out there. Exactly. So if, if they're confident that they're going to do the job and do it at a high level, they're going to put him out there. And so I, I do have confidence that he's going to be – the best players are going to play. But, you know, we're not in the meetings – it's the best players that they think are the best players are going to mm-hmm. play, you know, and, and there's trust involved there too. Shy town. Why don't I, why don't I hear anything about Notre Dame football recruiting? A fullback, a fullback. Okay. I'm sorry. We use walk-ons in goal. I, I, I thought this was a different question. And then I put, so I was, that's why I was confused. We use uh, walk-ons in goal line in short-yarded situations. Why wouldn't Notre Dame want to choose a player rather than relying on walk-ons? Well, because they don't that's really. Easy. That's easy. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> well, I, you're not going to waste a scholarship on a fullback. That's why. Right. Because this right. isn't the triple option out of the I formation. You don't need a fullback. You can find a guy that can block a guy 
you know, you bring in a 250 pound kid who needs to block one linebacker in a straight line. No offense. Those guys are a dime a dozen. I mean, Jesse Styers would have been a, he was a great fullback. I put him in, you know, in games because he was a big A. Sorry, I almost said a bad word. <laughs> he was a big body who get in there and he's not afraid to snot bubble somebody. He'd get mm-hmm. in the way. Like you can find guys like that and you don't have to waste. I, I, I say waste. You don't have to use a scholarship on those kinds of guys. Now, yeah, I believe Sherwood is on scholarship, isn't he? So, I mean, he's technically a scholarship. Well, he got guy. moved to scholarship. Okay. So he has a walk on to begin with. But yeah. the, the, you don't need to go out and recruit a fullback like that. Is, that's just that's not necessary in the offense that they run for such a small, you know, scope of what they would need a fullback for. Yeah, like our guy Justin Fisher. You know, like he's right. He's fullback size, and I'm you know that's that's another guy that that can right. be used in that kind. Of, yeah, you're absolutely right, especially when you have an 85 man limit. You don't exactly. have a you don't have a fullback in your offense full-time it's it's for very specific situations you know i mean you can you can go mitchapalooza if you can go mitchapalooza right <laughs> i mean know? like you two, can get two years ago and, yeah. yeah two years ago who'd they put the number 45 jersey on and treat him like a fullback joe alt okay right. I remember that? About that so I forgot about he was that. doing that before he moved into the starting lineup so you can find somebody who's athletic enough and big enough to to play fullback and have no problem, you know? So if they can put 45 on Joe Alt, then they can put 45 on a lot of different guys and they can, you know, go find a middle linebacker and snap bubble them on the goal line. <laughs> right. <laughs> With the events of this past season in mind, which offensive assistant coach is at the greatest risk of being recruited away to another Ooh. college or NFL opportunity? Ooh. Well, I would say that coach McCullough, and Coach Stuckey would be the top two that come to my mind as far as guys that could get poached. They they were poached this past offseason. I mean, they were attempted to be taken away. And I think McCullough – I feel like McCullough is the bigger potential loss because I think he could very well move into like a coordinator's role. Um, I don't think he leaves for like a, a running back's position. I think he leaves for a coordinator's role. Mm-hmm. The, pro- the, other, the problem with Chancey Stuckey – is he could potentially leave for a wide receiver's job in the NFL. Um, And so I think McCullough would go college coordinator. And I think Stuckey would go NFL wide receivers. If the white, if the right position, you know, offered up itself. So those are the two that I would be really worried about. I I don't see anybody else leaving from the offensive staff. No, not, not right now. Like Parker's going to be here, I think for a few years. And I mean, obviously, you know, we'll get to, Decide all together what we think of his offense when we see it out there for the first time right. this fall. It's uh, it's just too new for him being the coordinator. Joe Rudolph, I, I would see him being here for at least a couple of years. And then, uh, yeah, I would agree. Uh, offensive side of the ball specifically, yeah. Stucky or McCullough for the reasons that you said. And there was some interest in both of those guys this year already. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Benjamin, what does Marcus Freeman need to do this football season with the coaching staff to help Notre Dame win the title? Ooh, that's a loaded question. That's like a whole show topic uh, Mm -hmm. right there. You know, what, what, what does Marcus Freeman do in year two to make himself and his staff better? Well, first of all, 
I think that the staff is better this year than it was last year across the board with some of the new hires. I just think it's a, it, this is a Marcus Freeman coaching staff now. And I think that's big. I think that Marcus Freeman now is the head, not that he wasn't the head coach before, but like now these are the, his guys that he hired and you can do a little bit more with that. You know, when you take over as a head coach and there's some carryover from the previous staff, whether those guys are great or otherwise, they're still like, oh, well, we did this last year or we did it this way before, you know, something along those lines. And I don't see that being the case moving forward. So I think Marcus Freeman has the ability this year to really put his own personal stamp on things. Uh, I, I think he does a good job of allowing his coaches to coach. Uh, but I think another thing that he can do better than he did last year is be more involved with some of the things that the coaches do on a daily basis, some of the personnel decisions, you know, some of the, you know, maybe in-game type of strategy or, or not even in-game because he is involved in that. But like some of the uh, the game prep type of stuff, like the, the game plan going in offensively, mm -hmm. defensively. I'd like to see his fingerprint a little bit more on that because I think at first when he took over, he was a, hey, I got myself a defensive coordinator that knows what he's doing. I got an offensive coordinator that knows what he's doing. I'm just going to let them do their thing. And I'm going yeah. to be the CEO and I'll decide whether we go for it on fourth down or not. You know what I mean? Like, I just think, and it's nothing against Al Golden. And it's, it's nothing against anybody on the offensive staff. It's just, I, he's the head coach. I think he's a good coach. I want his fingerprint on the team a little bit more from an X's and O's standpoint. And I think that's it. I, I think that last year was a feeling out process for him, yeah. especially because of the way he was hired. And again, you know, like he brought in a defensive coordinator with head coaching experience who he, but he also inherited an offensive coordinator who had been here even before him. Yeah. And now he's his boss. And now that is gone. And it's not just the, that he's hired almost everyone on this staff now with the exception of just, a couple of guys, you know, obviously he didn't hire Mickens, but they had the pre-existing relationship back to, you know, to, to Cincinnati. So there, there's a lot of familiarity and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And now I agree with what you're saying. Now it's a matter of, okay, I've been through this once. I know, cause I think that he started to kind of feel his way through that and did more of that as the season went on. And we got to see some of that kind of on display out there on the field in the Gator Bowl, even yeah. when he was coaching yes. some of the linebackers and those kind of things. And so I think just more of that sort of being comfortable enough to maybe not feel like he's stepping on toes because now he has like some trust bank built up in terms of the relationships with all these guys where, and I, and I can't see him, you know, just, you know, going in and, you know, like my way or the highway type stuff, but, but him going in and, sharing his input and, you know, maybe we need to skew things this way or that way, or, you know, those, mm -hmm. those kind of things. So I, I, I just, I agree. I see a lot more of his input and his stamp yep. being on the program this year. And I think he's more comfortable as a head coach. He's more comfortable in his own skin too. You know what I mean? I, mm -hmm. Look, he's a pretty laid back guy. He's a pretty, he's obviously very, you know, uh, you know, he's easy to get along with in theory. Like that's what he looked, you know, he appears to be easy to get along with and go with the flow players, coach, all that. I just think he's coming into his own a little bit more. And I think he's more comfortable with what, who he is as a head coach and what that looks like. He's never a head coach before. 
Yeah. There's a lot of feeling out to that. And I, even at the high school level, I'm sure you can attest to this. My first year, it was like, okay, what am I doing here? What am I doing there? How do I want this to look? How do I want this to look? You know, what, what socks are we going to wear? Like they're, they're just a million different decisions. It's just, and, and that's it. That's, when you, it's one thing to be a coach for however many years, 10 years, 15 years, two years, whatever it happens right. to be. When you're an assistant coach, everything changes as soon as you become the head coach. It is all on you now. Every, all yep. eyes are looking at yep. you for all those decisions, no matter how big, no matter how small. And it is just different once you become the head coach. And yeah. you just you just can't underestimate having that year of experience under his belt, especially at a place like this where you know the view and the the microscope picks everything up with threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever when conditions change without notice quick strategic thinking is crucial and with obstacles consistently impending determination is essential in overcoming them it's this willingness decisiveness and resilience that sets marines apart with our fighting spirit we don't just fight battles we win them Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Beezer 12 washing beard. Nick Saban's 3-0 in out-of-conference away games at Alabama. Why won't the SEC play meaningful out-of-conference games. Hard for me to respect them as a conference when their non-conference competition is trash. I, I mean, I can't, I can't disagree with this. Well, I mean, how long has Nick Saban been at Alabama? And he's only played three out-of-conference away games? I mean... The simple answer is they don't have to. <laughs> like, well, why don't you do something that you don't have to? But at the same time, we saw Georgia play Oregon last year. Now, it was a neutral site. And, you know, Alabama's played some of these neutral site games and stuff like that as well. And, and I, obviously, you'd have to kind of go and, and look team by team and kind of see historically what they're doing. But the bottom line is they don't have to. And, like, if you're, you're Tennessee and, and some of these other schools and you're looking up at Alabama – in Georgia, and you know that you've got to play those those teams. You know, teams like that have to play both of them in the same season. Why would you go out and challenge yourself more against a big non-conference right. opponent? Because you already know that, like, your season's going to come down to those at least those two games right now. And, like, Tennessee is an up-and-comer still. And so, like, you know, they could play a little bit better, you know, competition in some of these FCS schools that they play but the short answer is why would you when you don't have to because if if you nope. can if you can run the table in the SEC or even lose one game in the SEC you've still got a chance of playing in the SEC championship game and that and, and getting and into the playoff right if you and, lose, until that extra, they're punished. lose that extra right. game you're out of the playoff and and until they're punished for not having a bit a better non-conference schedule why would they change you know i would love to see them play 
somebody, I mean, look, they're going to do a home and away with Notre Dame, right? Right. So, you know, they're going to, there'll be another one. A billion one. years from now. I know, right? Seriously. We'll <laughs> be signing up for AARP by then. But uh-huh. eventually it's going to happen. Nick Saban probably won't even be the coach by then. But that, okay, that's fine. Um, but at the same time, if they're not going to be punished by the college football playoff and everything else for having a soft non-conference schedule, they're never going to change it. That's why they're going to keep playing the Citadel and they're going to keep playing the Northeast corner ladies of the rosary and all of these other schools that don't help their strength of schedule in any way because they have the vaunted SEC conference schedule. Like I, I just, I don't know. It's never going to change unless you're forced to change. I mean, isn't that how we all are? We're not going to change doing something unless we're told yeah. we have to change. Well, and look, Texas and Oklahoma are coming into the SEC as well. Like, again, yeah. like you're, you're just adding more. And if, if the SEC has their way, they'll continue to gobble it. They'd like to add Florida State. They'd like to add Clemson, maybe Miami in there as well. Why would they? They just they have no incentive to go outside and and do that when they can when they can pay some lesser teams to come in right. and fill up. Most of the time, you know, at least at least fill it up 75%. Like you listen to Nick Saban and he's complaining about, oh, we're not selling out against Mercer and whoever else. You know? Right, but right. You can you you get all that gate receipt that helps out your local economy and everything else. So there's just no incentive for him to do it. Exactly. Yeah. As much as I would love them to do it, there's no incentive to do it. Yeah. Marcus or Anthony, rather, if Marcus Freeman wins a title before his first contract expires, does he get Harbaugh-type money? Well, I don't know what Harbaugh-type money is. I'm guessing that's big-time money. And if he wins the it's national championship... It's over $8 million, bucks, I think. If he wins a national title, not only is he going to get big-time money, he's also going to get a statue and everything else. Yes. <laughs> the answer is yes, he will. No question. Yeah. And There's we'll no never know bleeding. about it, though. Here's the other thing. We're never going to know about it because Notre Dame doesn't release contract details. and But they'll they'll get bits and pieces of his contract and make sure that he's well compensated. Yeah. Absolutely. Here's the thing about, and I was thinking about this when Swarbrick and, and Father Jenkins did their whole letter and all that stuff about, you know, they want, you know, they want uh, these NIL deals to be made public and all these different things. Like, you don't even release the terms of the contracts that you have with your coaches. But you want the rest of the yep. country to have this big NIL file about how much everyone... How about you release what you're paying your coaches? Sure. And then you can ask other... play. You know, then then you can say, hey, everybody else in, the, in America, you've got to release your NIL figures. You know, like... And it's not that we've got to know, but yeah, I mean, I, to the question itself, I completely agree with what you said. He's going to get a big paycheck if he if he goes out and wins a national championship. He'll be he'll be well compensated. Yeah. Oh yes. Oh yes. Because I mean, he's going to be in demand if that happens. Oh my gosh! And they're going to want to keep him because if he wins it, he's going to win it while he's in his thirties. I mean, assuming he wins it in the next couple of years. Well, yeah, he right? said in the I first mean, contract. So oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. So he's going to be in hot demand, especially let's, let's, let's put it this way, right? He goes out and wins the national championship the next couple of years. Saban rides off into the sunset. You're telling me that Alabama's not going to throw a wheelbarrows full of money at uh, Marcus Freeman to come down there and coach at Alabama. 
I'm just saying, he's going to get a lot of offers. And Notre Dame is going to have to make it worth his while to stick around. Absolutely. By the way, Anthony taking off, but sending us a super chat, which we appreciate. Thank you very much. Anthony said, thanks for the show, gentlemen. I'll listen tomorrow as I travel home. Curious to hear Tom's information on the basketball program. Oh, me too. And again, Tom Noy on the show tomorrow. So looking forward to that. I mean, and that kind of takes us, I'll just use that to, to jump right in to another Salty question. Buy or sell Jack Swarbrick's success in recruiting Micah Shrewsbury to Notre Dame men's basketball without drama in the process more than makes up for the Ludwig fiasco. I tend to agree. I mean, he he circled the guy that he wanted and went out and made it happen. I mean, that, that's that's some power right there, you know, and I understand that, that Penn State made a run at him and wanted to keep him and all of that. Um, so I, yes, that's great. And to my knowledge, based on what I'm hearing, Jack Swarbrick didn't want Andy Ludwig, which, and that's one of the reasons he's not here. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, call a spade a spade, right? I mean, that's he wanted Micah Shrewsbury. He's here. And from what I heard, he didn't want Ludwig, and he's not here. It's not hard to, you know, <laughs> as many missteps as there were in the process to get Andy Ludwig to Notre Dame as the offensive coordinator, I still feel like at the end of the day, big man didn't want him it wasn't going to happen it's history it's long forgotten now yeah, right between between the way things went down i think with the rest of the spring it it smoothed out and then hiring shrewsbury tomorrow it'll be exactly six weeks 42 days since micah shrewsbury was announced as head coach he went from three guys on the roster three scholarship guys on the roster to six uh Two, two transfer students and three incoming freshmen in this 2023 class. And of course, Marcus Burton, who was the lone right. commitment. And I don't think that that, you know, kind of gets, I think that gets kind of forgotten a little bit that, it, that Marcus uh, Burton stayed committed through this whole thing. Yes. And it's not like he's just some chump change. He's freaking Mr. Basketball, Indiana, who averaged over 30 points a game this year. And the fact that he stayed committed through that whole thing, I, you know, I think is, I think it needs to be respected a little bit more. I've got an issue with uh, a tweet that Notre Dame basketball put out uh, yesterday. I want to say uh, I'm going to look for it while I'm talking, but okay. they, they put out uh, a tweet basically welcoming the guys that the three new um, guys, the three, the, the three new guys, the three guys who say. just signed. Yeah. Right. And it was, yeah, the three guys that, that signed and it, and it reads, our incoming freshman class, in addition to Marcus Burton, Coach right. Shrew's latest trio. And it's and it's a graphic with those three guys. And it's like Marcus Burton is a an afterthought. Like, you couldn't have put him in the graphic as well as part of the incoming class? Like They had to have a picture of him. It's not like – I doubt they had all three of those guys together. It was all, you know, Photoshop, superimposed and all that kind of stuff. 100%. Right. Yes, they were the three who who officially signed and they announced. But like, you shouldn't be forgetting Marcus Burton. Who, yeah, again, stuck through this thing through thick and thin. And Mister Basketball in the state of Indiana. Yes, uh, over I believe one of these guys is from Indiana. So yeah. <laughs> over one of these guys, nice. right? Yeah, and you know, I, I just it's you know, welcome the freshman class. 
I don't know. It just felt now. Maybe I hear I, what you're saying. I hear maybe what you're I'm saying. biased because yeah, of gotta, the situation, you know, yeah, but you like a dog in the hunt or a dog in the fight. Absolutely. So I'm biased, but it just felt like it was he's an afterthought when he was the one that stuck it out this entire time. Yeah. To to go. So. But you know, to the Shrewsbury point, the guy went in six weeks, less than six weeks. He went from only having Marcus Burton and three right. returning scholarship guys with relative to no experience to having the top 25. Now, Marcus Burton is part of it, but the top 25 recruiting class, you know, in the top 25 in the country, plus the two transfers as well. I mean, that's, that's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty good six week span. There's no doubt about it. Now there, now the, the devil's advocate argument would be, he basically just brought his Penn state recruiting class over to Notre Dame. So he did all the work was already done. Right. But I still think it's impressive that he was able to bring those guys over and sell those guys on Notre Dame and everything else, you know, along with a kid who was already a freshman at Penn State. He's able to get him into school. And we've talked about this, right? When you're transferring over as a freshman, it's a lot easier to transfer those credits than when you're already into a major and all that. So mm-hmm. I, I see that. And then you get the Northwestern kid. I mean, he's putting in work re- regardless because he had to go visit all three of those guys that were going to go to Penn State. He had to convince them. He had to re-recruit them, basically, and he was able to do that. Now, again, having the previous relationship was huge, uh, but at the same time, they still signed on the dotted line, and he's still putting heartbeats in jerseys at Notre Dame, which was <laughs> not a foregone conclusion uh, when he was hired. You know, So he couldn't even play field five guys in a game. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> you know, so... Yeah, total props to Shrewsbury at this point. Chi-Town, you win today's award. He asks, if we were the Notre Dame athletic director, what changes would we make? That is uh, one of those questions that is an entire show. So yep. look for that in the near future. Yes. <laughs> not I want to think about today. this one. Yes, there's a lot of things that I think are going to go into those answers. So look for an entire show coming up on that in the very near future. So yes. good question, though, Chi-Town, but... That's a not enough question, time to do. Man. Yeah, not enough time to get to that today, Damn. by any means. Um, Andre three thousand. Yes. How good is Notre Dame women's basketball team next year? Do we have the players to win it all? Well, I will say this: got the players to be a Final Four team, assuming Olivia Miles is back and and fully healthy and all that kind of stuff. Um, I've said that before. I think for this. For the, for the team that's coming in, it's final four or bust. Yeah. They've got, they've got, they're going to have the, the biggest and deepest roster that Neil Ivy has had since she's been here. And it's interesting. She does have, you know, more players now. She has said the first couple of years that she likes a little bit smaller roster. But I do wonder after both Mabry and Miles, you know, had season ending injuries last year, how much maybe that affected, like, well, maybe we do need to, you know, get a little bit. Get a little bit deeper. They brought in a three-point shooter. They've, you know, they've got a couple great freshmen coming in, and they went out and uh, brought in the the forward from Pepperdine last week. LSU is going to be the hands-down favorite going into into the season to win it all because they already won it all, and then they went out and got Van Lith, and they got another transfer. I can't remember if she was from Maryland or where she was from, but they they added another. Really good transfer down there at LSU as well. So they're going to be the team to beat going into the season. But I think 
Notre Dame has every reason to believe that they'll be in the Final Four in Cleveland next year. Love it. Too bad it's in Cleveland. But other than that, love it. <laughs> I know. It's like, could be someplace better, but Jesse is in Cleveland I was going to say, well. so, for you, it's like a family reunion. Yeah, but, we, could have, so we could have some fun with that, with some shows you know, and, and stuff yeah, like that. The Mistake by the there. Lake should not ever host a Final Four. That's right. Just saying. <laughs> um. Mailbag for the Dean. Should the Cubs fire Ross? He's in over his head. And I'll tell you what, Jesse was texting me last night. I don't know if you saw one of his tweets last night about they've got the second best ERA in the National That's League. who I saw it from. I was like looking on Twitter for yeah. who I saw this from. Go ahead. They've got, I think it's the fifth best team, you know, like batting right now in the National League. But now I think they're what, three or four games under 500 after Something losing like another that. close game last night. Jesse is very down on David Ross. He is ready to see that experiment end. I'm not down on David Ross just yet. I think these guys are still learning how to play with each other, but they're second in the National League in run differential, fourth overall in Major League Baseball at plus 46. You know what I mean? Like they're scoring. Their pitching is mostly good, right? I mean, mostly good. But that's why Jesse is saying that they should go. They're plus 46. Sure. And they're in all these close games, but they're losing these. Close They've games. lost 10 one run games. There you 10 go. 10 one run games, right? Now, I would have to go back and look at how they're losing these games. I can't watch right. them. Uh, but there's reasons why you lose one run games. And I can't necessarily say it's all about the manager or it's all, you know, whatever. Like, is their bullpen garbage? Like, why are they losing these one run games? Like, what, what is, what's their batting average with runners in scoring position? Look, last night against the Cardinals, they left nine men on base. You can't leave nine men on base and win a game, in my opinion, right? Yeah. And so what's your batting average with runners in scoring position? Like all of those different things. A lot about being a manager, especially now in the National League when you've got the uh, the DH, it's not a whole lot of managing that goes on. You, you, you put the lineup out there and you just kind of sit back and watch it happen. Well, and that's, that's the thing, you know, like – how much and I haven't watched especially the late innings of these Cubs games closely enough to see how he's managing the bullpen and doing those sort of things. But I I, I completely agree with what you're saying, you know, because they're like a lot of people calling for Aaron Boone's head out there in New York. And there's a media guy from Sports Illustrated who's a Yankees fan who's who's saying the exact same thing that you're saying. All this stuff, the manager is is basically a middle manager yeah. these days. He's yep. he's just taking computer information and analytics from the front <laughs> office. And, you know, like this guy's saying, it's not on Aaron Boone. At this point, it's on Cashman. You know, like he's the one who needs to go. He's the one putting the roster together, and, and that's where the analytics is coming from. So if you're going to get rid of somebody, get rid of the guy above him. Now, again, it's a fairly small sample size still for the Cubs. Like they started Agreed. off pretty good. You know, they've kind of regressed a little bit. Like you said, 10 one-run games, you, you know, you – you win just half of those, and you're at least a little bit over 500 right now. But things can still swing a little bit. It's just starting to warm up on the north side. So, yeah, I, I don't think I'd call for him just yet. I think I think at, at a very minimum, you have to wait until you're at the end of this month. May is right. the end of May. You know, Memorial Day weekend sure. is always kind of like I think the first big marker. And then you go into June and, and you do have to start deciding who are we keeping? Are we going to make some trades? Are we going to call some guys up? Those kind of things. So, I mean, look, the, it's a little Cubs, too early to say that. Cubs are in third place right now. They're in third place. They're three games back. Like this is not 
you know, we're, this is not panic central yet. And as long as the Cubs are in third and they're within striking distance, they're, they're a series away from being in first place, right? And as long as they stay ahead of the Cardinals, I'm a happy guy. So Cardinals are, by the way, in last place in the central. So they can <laughs> stay down there in the basement. And that speaks to how bad they are, considering that's who, you know, they've been playing the Cubs <laughs> this week. So they're still in last place after yeah. taking four games. Probably should have saved that for rapid fire, but eh. I figured I'd fire it off there anyways. All right. Well, thanks for joining us tonight. Smash the like button on your way out. And of course, your weekly reminder to subscribe, rate, and review. We've got uh, a lot more coming up. Tom Noy on tomorrow's show. We'll talk a lot of Notre Dame men's basketball, all the things that Micah Shrewsbury has done. It's been a busy six weeks for him, and Tom and I will talk about that on tomorrow's show. Jesse will be in for rapid fire as well tomorrow. So we've got all that going, and of course, don't forget Friday's show when we have the Friday rapid fire. So, Vince, I will talk to you later. Enjoy your lacrosse game tonight. <laughs> hey, conference championships tomorrow night for track. Boom. The kids trying to go back-to-back first-team all-conference. We'll see what happens. Here we go. Here we go. All right. Good luck. All right, we will talk to you tomorrow on IB Nation Sports Talk.